Good morning. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We'll gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and to respond to God's goodness to us. So uh, welcome as we gather and welcome to those who are joining us online. We're thankful that we can be together by God's Spirit. Uh, this Sunday is Pentecost Sunday and we remember in the life of the church that God gives us the gift of the Spirit. That we are those that God uh, is, dwells in and has prompts already a good work in us and will complete it uh, in Christ by His grace. Uh, as we begin our time, I encourage you to take a look at the uh, order of worship on the inside cover. There's information about uh, the children's ministry classes that are happening today. You'll see there's preschool class and children's worship, and also there is a junior high class as well. Uh, and then also, if you look toward the back of the order, the last couple pages are announcements and uh, things happening in the life of the church. And uh, one thing just in particular to highlight is that our, our summer like morning camp for kids is coming up, uh, Kids Week. And it's the June 27th through July 1st. And if you are interested in signing up your child or you have friends or neighbors that would like to participate, you can sign up online. Or if you have questions, you can talk to me or Melinda. Uh, and, and, and there's also a paper form that you can fill out to give all your registration information. So, but it's free and it's a great time. And it's at Gross Park, which is on Lawrence, uh, just west of Western. So I encourage you to take a look at the announcements and see if there's other things that you'd be interested in or ways that you want to serve or, or be involved in the life of the church. Well, we have a, a special service this morning along with uh, our normal liturgy. Uh, we're commissioning uh, a new group of deacons to the work of uh, that role in the life of the church. And also there's a, a handful of children that completed our communion class that will be invited for the first time to participate in the Lord's Supper this morning. So very thankful that we can uh, worship God through these good things today. Well, God's called us to come into his presence, and as, as we get ready to, to, to worship, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 104. Will you stand and we'll sing it together. How manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. They all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles? Who touches the mountains and they smoke? I will sing the, to, to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord.
As I mentioned in the opening announcements, the part of our service today is that we are commissioning a new group of deacons to serve in the, the life of the church. And so I want to invite forward uh, Josh, Munch, and Matt to come and to uh, take their vows as officers in the church. Ozzy Santiago is going to come forward as one of our elders to represent the, the session as well. Uh, will you see a note in the order of worship uh, about the, the work of the deacons? Um, and as we prepare to um, receive them, I'm going to take a moment just to introduce them and remind us of what this role is and to give a charge to you, and then we'll have a chance for us to respond as a, in a responsive reading, and then they will ask, I'll ask the vows to these officers. So this is Munch Keekstra, Josh Kuntz, and Matt Henning, and just as a reminder, they have all been nominated by the congregation and then went through training and interviewed with the elders and then were voted and elected by the congregation. And the, the role of the deacon, you'll see, is the, the language of the Book of Order is, is beautiful. It says that they are called to the, to the work of sympathy and service after the example of our Lord Jesus. And that is a, a challenge to all of us, but especially it's a charge to the three of you, that Jesus invites us to follow in his ministry, in his ways. In his example, we see throughout the gospel that Jesus welcomed and healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He gave attention to those who were lonely. He saw those that others had forgotten. And this is the work of the deacon. Jesus himself says that he came, that the one who was rich became poor, that those who were poor could become rich. And he came not to be served, but to serve. And he gave very clear instructions that he said, those in the world, leadership often means lording over others. But it's not so among my people, Jesus says, that the greatest among you is the one who serves. 
And so this is a good reminder to all of us, but especially Munch, Josh, and Matt, a reminder to you that leadership in the Church of Christ is not that you have more influence or that you get to have some kind of name or you get to have certain privileges, but rather it's a call to serve, to follow up in the ministry of Christ, to practice service and sympathy, to welcome in his name. So we give, you, we give thanks for the three of you in this call on your life. And I invite you to join with me in this responsive reading from 1 Corinthians 12 in which we remember these gifts that God's given to the church. There are a variety of gifts, but it's the same Spirit who gives them. There are different ways of serving God, but it's the same Lord who is served. God works through each person in a unique way, but it's God's purpose that is accomplished. Each gift the Spirit gives is to be used for the common good. Together we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So let me ask you now these uh, deacon uh, officer questions, these vows. Do you believe in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as originally given to be the inerrant word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? And do you further promise that at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the fundamentals of this system of doctrine, you will on your own initiative make known to your session the change that has taken place in your views since the assumption of this vow? Do you approve the form of government and discipline of the Presbyterian Church in America in conformity with the general principles of biblical polity? Do you accept the office of deacon in this church and promise faithfully to perform all the duties thereof and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your life and to set a worthy example before the church of which God has made you an officer? And do you promise objection to your fellow officers in the Lord? And you promise to strive for purity, peace, and unity and edification of the church. I do. And let me ask a question to, uh, to the congregation. Do you, members of Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church, acknowledge and receive Matt Henning, Josh Kuntz, Munch Keekstra as deacons in the service of Jesus Christ? And will you support and encourage them in the ministry? If so, you can say, we do. Okay, is gonna offer a prayer for, for Matt and Josh and Munch. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for, um, for giving us good gifts. And among these, Lord, are the deacons of our church. And through, through our church, you have called Munch, Josh, and Matt to serve you as deacons, Lord. And so we pray for them, Lord, especially on this day, as we remember the giving of your spirit, that you would fill them with your spirit, Lord, that you would grant them wisdom, Lord, that you would grant them power, and that you would grant them grace, that they will be able to serve our congregation and, and see those, Lord, not only that are in need, but, Lord, that are those that are outside, and that they would be uh, welcoming individuals. And, Father, that they would be examples to us, that we would look up to them, and follow their example and grow as a congregation to serve and to meet the needs of others and not only meet their needs, but Lord, let them know that they belong. Father, we pray that through this, through their work, through their work in our church and through the growth 
that you will bring by your spirit that confidence in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ would grow among us and among our neighbors as they see the example and they see the work of the gospel at work through your spirit in your church. We pray th these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, well, now it's part of my role and my privilege to announce that you are set apart and commissioned as deacons. I now pronounce and declare that you, Munch, Josh, and Matt have been regularly elected a commission as deacons in this church agreeable to the word of God and according to the constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America. And as such, you are entitled to all encouragement and honor in the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ozzy and I will greet them and you know, congratulate them on your behalf, but I encourage you after the service, have a chance to speak to them as well. Also, I want to invite Gina to come forward. After, after, we, after we, say, we shake hands, then Gina's going to offer a prayer on behalf of the church uh, to pray for God's blessing upon this work. morning, if you would um, pray with me. Dear God, um, thank you. Thank you for your great love for each person here, Lord. Thank you for your love for us. Lord, you've created us not to be self-sufficient, but to live together as your family. So God, thank you for giving us this place this community, and this family, where we can learn and grow together, Lord. And as Pastor Chad said, um, your example, Lord Jesus, of sympathy and service is so profound. Um, you were and are exceedingly patient and you serve. I'm thinking of the time that you washed the feet of the disciples, Lord. So we're grateful for this. We're grateful for your love for us in these amazing ways, God, intimate ways. And um, as others have spoken about the work of church leadership and specifically deacons. Um, God, help us all to, to just grow in the ways that we see one another, uh, that we see each person, and that we welcome one another. Uh, there will be time to um, rejoice and to grieve, and God, I'm just grateful that we can do it together. I, I ask that you would strengthen us and help us to see one another as you see us. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with us now and we'll sing together.
Let's pray. Almighty God, we come to you. We come to you out of our darkness, out of our sin and rebellion, out of the ways that we wander, out of, out of the old and tired things that we look to to find life. We come uh, out of your sense of call and grace to be your people and to worship you. And Lord, may, uh, may, your, may your strength and your love and your faithfulness shine radiantly in our souls. May it awaken our hearts from this darkness, from the waiting and the longing and the thirsting. And Father, remind us again that our home, that our peace, that our sense of security is found in your sturdy and peaceable care. May your perfect love, your love that is lavish, it's relentless, may it meet us in the places that we find ourselves. May it meet us in our stress, in our anxiety, in the mundane of every day. May it find us when we feel alone and checked out. God, we know you are the Lord, the true King who is reigning, who is praying for all of us right now. And Lord, may we receive and believe your grace and be changed by it. Pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship. Uh, Melinda is in the back here to greet them. Well, we turn now to our time of confession and assurance, and really this is a time where we can come out of hiding with God, where we can acknowledge with him our sin and our need and come to him knowing that he is merciful and gracious to us. So we'll do this as a, as a church and then have a time of personal, quiet confession. Almighty God, who sent the promised power of the Holy Spirit to fill the disciples and with willing faith, 
We confess that we resist the work of your spirit among us, that we are slow to serve you and reluctant to spread the good news of your love. God, have mercy on us. Forgive our divisions and by your spirit draw us together. Inflame us with a desire to do your will and be your faithful people in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please take a moment of quiet personal confession. Gracious God, we are thankful that you came to us in our weakness, in our greatest need of rescue. While we were still sinners, you descended into the depths of our sin and death to be in our place, 
and to raise us to new life. And so we give thanks with joy in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, let's stand together to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Romans chapter 5. Let's join together. Since we have been justified through faith, we have with peace God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Well, as we've been welcomed into God's family, let us also welcome each other in the name of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
The New Testament lesson is from Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The gospel lesson is from John 14, verses 8 through 17. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Again, it's good to be here and look at God's word. Thank you, Gina, for reading from the scriptures. Today is the, the last part of our, the sermon series that we've been looking at from the book of Revelation, and specifically the titles given to Jesus in that last book of the New Testament. And just as a reminder that Revelation has three main sections, a beginning, an, you know, an opening, a long middle, and a conclusion. And, and last week and today we have been looking at visions from that final section, that concluding section. And the visions are about new creation and specifically about the city, New Jerusalem. And as a way for us to, to begin to enter into uh, our passage before I read it, is, it's an observation that others have made that the, the Bible starts in a garden, but ends in a city. The Bible starts in a garden, but ends in a city. The story of Scripture moves from the sacred garden of Eden to the holy city, New Jerusalem. From the garden of God's good creation where God walks with Adam and Eve, those made in his image, 
And that story leads to a new Jerusalem, a holy city of new creation, where God dwells face to face with his people, a new community gathered by the Lamb from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. The Bible starts in a garden but ends in a city, and that helps us maybe get our our mind around the the vision that is set forth in our passage. But I also want to say that it's not just that the Bible ends in the city, but various parts of the scripture were invited to, to, to remember that we long for that city, that new Jerusalem. In Hebrews 11, for example, we read about Abraham, who was the father of faith. And we see that God called Abraham to leave his home to go to a land that would be his inheritance. But it says that Abraham went, but he didn't know where he was going. And so by faith, Abraham walked, keeping his eye on an unseen city, an unseen city, looking forward to a city that had real and eternal foundations designed and built by God. Revelation has consistently invited us to have patient endurance, to hold on to our faith in Christ. And another way to think about it is to keep our eye on our heavenly city, the place to which we long the one that we were made to find our true home. Well, last week, this heavenly city, New Jerusalem, was described as a bride coming forth adorned for her husband. And today we'll see in our passage that the vision, again, is the city coming forth from heaven. Here the imagery is around order, that the city is structured in a way in which there is security and welcome and delight. This is the city that we long for for which we were made, to which all things are headed, the city with real and eternal foundations, whose architect and builder is God himself. So let's look at our passage. This is a few verses from Revelation 21, and then the first few verses of Revelation 20. You can follow in your order or in your Bible as I read. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, And showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. For its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there'll be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kind of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, 
and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, he has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. This is God's word given for our good. Well, here is a vision of where things are headed, this holy city. And as we move through our passage and reflect on it, I want to ask two questions. The, the question is, what is no longer in the city? You know, what's been removed? And then what is present or what is given? So what's no longer in this city? What's been removed or no longer needed? Well, first we are told that this heavenly city, there is no temple. And there's no temple because this important symbol in God's people's life has given way to reality. See, we can ask, you know, why did the earthly Jerusalem have the great temple? Well, the temple was God's allowance to grant his people his special presence. The temple, through its ministry and sacrifices, pointed to the promise that God would overcome our sin, that he would be with his people. The temple points to this. This is a symbol, and it's now given away to reality. For God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple, meaning that God's presence permeates the city. The line between heaven and earth is broken down, and all the city is with God. It's a chance just in this moment even to remember something that can be challenging, that sometimes our religious practices or those things that we find helpful or hold dear, we can forget that they're not an end unto themselves. The temple, even though it was important and beautiful, it was always meant to point beyond itself to the promise of God, that even in the midst of our separation, that he would dwell with us. And so it, it is wrong or unhelpful when we begin to see religious life as an end to itself, or, or worse, the end being some kind of self-righteousness. For all that God gives us ultimately points us to the promise that we are made for God, and the promise that we would dwell with God and know God. See, the fact that there's no temple highlights this promise, behold, the dwelling place of God is with us. God is our God and we are his people, and God is with us. This is the vision of the city. And second, there is no moon and there's no sun. The heavenly city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine because it's illuminated by the glory of God. Now our passage is not giving us information about future astrological changes. Rather, it's an image an image of splendor, an image of beauty, an image of glory radiating from the presence of God and the Lamb as they dwell with their people. Jonathan Edwards uh, is an influential American theologian from the 1700s. Maybe you are familiar with him or had to read something in school or, or on your own. But in his writing, he observed that although the moon, the moonlight seems permanent, its brightness is renewed continuously. We know this, we maybe don't think about it, but the moon has no light of its own. 
Its light, its brightness is continually given to it by the sun. And this image helps us consider this holy city, what we're invited to imagine. As the city descends, it is radiant, not due to its own glory, but because it's basking in the presence and the embrace of our tender and generous and glorious God. It bears God's glory and its radiance is like a brilliant jewel. It's not only something that's beautiful to imagine, this light filling us and filling all of creation, but this light is the fulfillment of what God has promised throughout the scriptures. God promised to captive Israel during a time when Israel was in bondage, when they had no sense of hope that they would be set free. God said, you will be restored, and in your restoration, the glory of the Lord will be upon you and I will be your everlasting light. It's the same idea that we heard when Jesus arrives, that here is the light of the world, and here is a light that no darkness can overcome. You see, the city, we're invited to picture this place that's basking in a light that no darkness can interrupt or overcome, the light of restoration and of God's glory. There's no temple, there's no sun or moon, and then we're also told that there is no more hostility of the nations. Throughout Revelation, the nations, especially the kings of the nations, are marked by hostility. It is their idolatry, their love of what is false, that leads, the book says, to economic violence and to the oppression of others. But now we are given this image of profound peace. The nations and the kings are drawn to the glory of the Lord that is shining in New Jerusalem, and they therefore are drawn to bring their own wealth and their own worship into it. All will see and be drawn to God, and the gates will never close to this city. For such security measures, the wall and the gates are no longer needed, for there will be no night, no danger no hostility, and those who come forth are not the wicked or the false, but those who belong to the Lamb. We're invited to this future image that it may speak to us in our present. Here is a gift from God. Here is a vision of the city that our father Abraham kept his eye on as he walked in faith. Here is the renewed city, the place for which we long, for which we were made, and to which all things are headed. A city that has real foundations designed and built by God. And so we asked what's not there, but we can also ask the second question of what is present? What's given in this vision? Well, first we can see that there's life. There's life. The angel shows John a sparkling river which flows crystal clear from the heavenly throne. The river of the waters of life flow from the throne of God and the Lamb, and they they go out through all the city streets, out even into all the world to irrigate creation. A while back, I had a chance to visit Salt Lake City in Utah, 
Maybe some of you have been there, but it's a beautiful city. And as part of my time, I had a chance to see the Great Salt Lake. I didn't get to like float in it or anything. I, I, I said sometimes people do that, but I saw it. And I was curious, and I, I looked up that it's 13% salt. 13% salt. And I mentioned that partly because I was thinking about this vision, and I, and I looked up the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea that's near the, where the God's people were living at this time, and the Dead Sea is 34% salt. 34% salt, nine times more salty than the ocean. And hence its name, the Dead Sea, that in such salty water, it's a harsh environment that plants and animals cannot you know, flourish there. And so why do, I, why do I tell you about the Great Salt Lake or the Dead Sea? Because in order for us to try to help picture this life that's flowing, uh, the prophet Ezekiel, in, in, in thinking about this new city that was coming, he invited God's people to picture the throne of God, the temple of God, that water was pouring forth under its doors, out into the city, out into every surrounding land, even even out into the Dead Sea. And when these waters of life flowed from God out into the world, and when they touched the Dead Sea, this place of hostility was healed and made fresh. This is the vision that we're invited to, that what God can do can take a place in which there is no life and bring life, can bring newness and life to a place of death. We experience that now in part by the Spirit, but this is the promise of what God's new city will be like. And not just the waters of life, but there is a tree of life. And the leaves are for the healing of the nations. And we're reminded that this healing, this new life, is not just for individuals, but this profound healing has social and cultural and political aspects of pain and breaks and mistreatment and violence will be healed. Do you see in just a couple of sentences in this vision, we're invited to remember why we long for such a place. Wounds, hunger, thirst, this is the human experience, it's, it's ours. We live in a dry and thirsty land. Constantly we are offered food and drink which will not satisfy. And we know what it is to be brokenhearted and hurt. Again, a future vision that speaks into the present, inviting us to seek a better city, a true home, to hear in the gospel of Christ this call, all who are thirsty, come. All who are hungry, come and eat. All who have been mistreated and who are brokenhearted, come that you may know healing. What is present in this city? Well, these images of life, they lead to the very heart of the city, for what is present is the throne of God Almighty and the Lamb. All in the city worship, all see his face, all receive God's name, and they will reign with him. Throughout our passage, the throne of God and of the Lamb, these names are together. 
There is no separating them. It's from their throne that comes forth the voice proclaiming the good news of God's dwelling, of God's work of newness. It's from this throne that comes the source of the river of life. It's from this throne that comes forth the light that shines upon the people. And it's from this throne that we have the assurance that there's nothing accursed or false or wicked. As we've seen, Jesus has received numerous titles in the book of Revelation, but the primary one is the Lamb. He's the Lamb. And not just the Lamb, but the Lamb that has been slain. 28 times in Revelation, he's called the Lamb. As we approach the end of the book, that, that use becomes more prominent. Even just in our few verses, it's said five times, he's the Lamb. And it's a way to invite you and me to, to remember that how does this new creation arrive? What are the foundations that are real and eternal of this city? It is by the blood and the tears of the Lamb. The Lamb who was slain to purchase by his blood you and me, a people. It is the foundation of this city, and that is why the city is one of welcome and of security and of renewal and of life, because it's rooted in the death and resurrection and the glorification of the Lamb who was slain. I've mentioned this each week that it's possible, no matter how much we know or how little we know of this last book of the New Testament, that Revelation sometimes is thought about like timetables and just predictions about the last day, and it can become something that we lost. It becomes an end in itself. But remember, this is a gift from God. It was given to a group of early Christians that felt out of control, that Rome was in control. It is a future vision, a gift for the present, for you and for me. And it's inviting us over and over again in different ways to direct our longings and our hopes to the Lamb. To not seek a home here, but to seek the city designed and built by God. We're reminded of throughout, let us hold on to the testimony of Jesus. Let us patiently endure. Let us overcome in faith in Christ. Let us, like Abraham, keep our eye on that which is true and eternal that which is passing away. As we close, I want to highlight that those who were gathered in the city, they worship the Lamb, but they also have his name upon their foreheads. Did you see that image? The name will be on their foreheads, saying the sign of image that who do I belong to? I belong to the one whose blood I was purchased by. I belong to the God who rebuilds what has fallen. I belong to the one who finds and pursues the scattered and the lost. I belong to the one who binds up the brokenhearted. I belong to the one who uses his own body and blood to dress the wounds of those who have been mistreated. And I belong to the one who lifts the humble 
but pushes the wicked to the ground. This image of the new city invites us to long for what is true and to let us, with our brothers and sisters, hold on to the faith. To not go back or to give up, but to keep our eye on what is true and will last, the gift of our God to us in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are, and we thank you for that you are a God that not only speaks honestly about our need and our hurt and our brokenness, but brings life into places of death. And so we pray, Lord, that you would do that even now by your spirit, that you'd minister to us, helping us to walk in ways of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together. Father, you have sent us your spirit to be with us forever, to dwell in us, to renew us, and to show us what is true. 
Therefore, with great joy, we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. be seated. Well, having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. And I invite you to, there's a note in your order, but I just want to highlight, um, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, this morning that we are welcoming uh, some of the children who've uh, completed the community class and met with a pastor to talk about uh, their faith. We're welcoming Asher Atkins, Silas Atkins, James Keekstra, Nora Jankowski, Fred McNally, and Noel McNally to the table for the first time, so we give thanks for that. And to, to them, to those children, and to all of us as we gather, we always take a moment to remind ourselves of what this gift is that God's given to us. And what I uh, uh, tried to help uh, the children know, and even for us to know as adults, it's not always easy to remember, but this table is set for sinners who have been forgiven by God's grace. It's not set, we don't have a place at the table because we've done everything right, or we promised certain things for the future, but our place is because of God's love for us. And so this table invites us to look at ourselves and to examine ourselves, to think of our relationships with God and family and friends, workers and fellow students, and to be honest about ways that we have failed to love others or love God. But we can do that honestly because this table is a table that's set for sinners and that we come confessing our need and placing our faith in Christ that by his broken body and shed blood we are forgiven and have life now and forever. This is the good news of this table. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this bread and cup, and we pray, Lord, that you'd meet us here by your spirit. Lord, as we come forth in repentance and faith, meet us and nourish us and strengthen us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite those who are taking communion to come down the two center aisles and receive the elements from the servers, and you can go back on the sides. I ask that you would hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not taking communion, I still invite you to come forward. If you put your arm across your chest, uh, you can receive a blessing from Pastor Brian or myself that will pray for you. On this, on this Sunday, we're going to begin by inviting, well, first I want to invite the servers to come forward. Those who are serving can come forward at this time.
And then once they have the elements to serve, the, the, the children that are taking communion for the first time, I invite them to come forward with a parent or with their family. And once they've come forward, then I invite the rest of their congregation to do so.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. I invite you to stand that we can respond in prayer and song to this table. We give thanks to you, almighty God, for nourishing us in Christ. By your spirit, assure us that we belong to your family and are heirs of your everlasting kingdom. Help us to offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice as we proclaim the mystery of faith. confess our faith together. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that the Spirit with the Father and the Son is eternal God. Second, that the Spirit is also given to me so that through true faith he makes me share in Christ and all his benefits, comforts me, and will remain with me forever. Amen. You may be seated. It always helps with the person reading up front reads it correctly. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, we're going to continue worshiping through a time of giving to the, to the work of a church. I want to invite uh, the greeters to come forward with uh, the offering plates. Um, you can give by giving to the, to the offering plate, or you can give, you can see a note here uh, through the church website, or you can text as well. So you can come forward at this time. Uh, also, just want to take a moment again to say welcome, especially if you're visiting. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, on the welcome table as you came in, there is a, a sheet where you can fill out uh, your name and information. If like to um, learn more about the church, receive the weekly email, or have one of the pastors follow up with you. So I um, encourage you to do that. It'd be great to, to talk with you further. Uh, just a couple other things to, to highlight about announcements and life in the church, uh, that we do have a time of coffee and fellowship after the service. You'll see a note in, the, in your order that we meet over at the McPherson Playground, just kind of around the corner, a short walk there, and hope that you can join us um, for some time of coffee and some snacks and, and teens to talk to each other. And, and the other thing I'll just mention is that the Friendship Center, the, the food pantry that we're connected to in the neighborhood, after doing some remodeling, it's uh, reopened. And so this is a great time to kind of get back involved as a volunteer if you've done it before or if you haven't done it before to, to volunteer. So you can contact Anna Worley if you have questions or you can always talk to one of the pastors as well and they can tell you more about it. Um, well, let's respond to God's generosity to us uh, by standing and singing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy 
receive now God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and grant you his grace. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and forever. Amen. May go in peace.